We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That pit in the feeling of your stomach isn't merely just because you're hungry and it's Monday morning. It's also because you lost your survivor entry. You're a Bengals fan. You're a Packers fan. You're a Jaguars fan. Uh, you're a Cowboys fan. That and a whole lot more as we break down week one here on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. It's the Overreaction Monday edition, as we do, you know, the Week One Overreaction Monday edition. It's it's everywhere. In fact, it's even a meme on Twitter that we overreact and we to the Week One results. Don't overreact to the preseason. Don't overreact to Week One. No, I am going to overreact to Week One because I just lost my Survivor entry. It's done. It's over. No more Bushwood. Ah, uh, Nick, this sucks. Man. It does. It does. I, I reserve the right to overreact as well. Um, you know, I was telling you off air, it's week one is a roller coaster when you're playing in, you know, 10 plus fantasy leagues like you and I are, you know, you're not going to go 10 and 0. Uh, I, I don't even know how many leagues you're up to, but you know, you, you kind of, you're almost happy if you take a split there. And um, you know, like you said, losing, losing survivor out of the gate. That's rough. That's rough. I mean, I, I was talking to some friends watching the games yesterday and you know, we're all in a pick'em contest where you got to rank each game by confidence. And it's like, I feel terrible lining up my, my top seven picks were all road favorites. And I'm like, I know for a fact that every single one of these is not going to hit and at least two or three are going to be wrong, but yeah. you don't want to take that chance. You don't want to be the one who's, who's out there, you know, betting on Houston to beat Indianapolis or, um, you know, I'm trying to think it's more was betting on the bears to beat the 49ers, but you just knew it was going to happen in some of these games. And uh, there we are, you know, at the end of week one already, but what, what was the, to clarify for the listeners, what was the team that took you out? In the the 49ers in Chicago in uh, uh, the monsoon that was there. Uh, it was stupid, though, Nick, because you and I were in, in Vegas watching that Thursday game, the Niners against the Houston Texans, where the Niners, with their first-team offense, for the most part, maybe they were missing an offensive lineman or two, uh, they couldn't move the ball that effectively against the Houston Texans, uh, which who are the Houston Texans? Uh, and it just that that's just a terrible uh, thought process. And, you know, it's just I knew it was a crazy tough week. I was just like, OK, this this is uh, I know Lance is shaky, but this is a great lineup. And then I saw the weather forecast I'm like, oh, no. oh yeah. I'm, I'm in trouble. I'm in big trouble yeah. here. I feel like I'm uh, I'm a Simpsons meme. Uh, and 
Okay, but then it's 10 nothing Niners. Okay, great, great. Nope. Nope. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, and it's not all uh, on Lance, but it's it's partially on Lance. I mean, they also lost Eli Mitchell, and I think that was a mm-hmm. big deal. You know, they didn't run the ball very effectively with Jeff Wilson. Yeah. Uh, only 2.9 yards per carry. Again, see also Monsoon, where you couldn't even put, like, you know, they – the if you watch like the game pass afterward, I thought it's, it's something called something else this year. Um, they had to superimpose the yard lines later on. The field was just mm-hmm. that much of a wash. Um, it's a mess, but you know, you know, it's just I'm glad I'm not that that the Niners were the mm-hmm. only ones that went down. I do have like in one other pool, I used the Ravens at least, so I did diversify okay. a little bit. But the Colts went down, uh, the Bengals went down, the Titans went down. Uh, there, there's, there's a lot of carnage there in Survivor this week. Yeah, and you know, Circa tweeted out the, the results. You know, the, the most popular picks uh, by the time things locked yesterday, and the Ravens were, were by far the most popular pick in that contest. But yeah, I mean, the Colts were number two, the Titans were number three, the 49ers were number four in terms yep. of popularity. So three of the top four uh, getting knocked out right away in Week One, and you know, I, I went back and forth. On San Francisco, I know I made them my best bets uh, in our uh, beating the book article and our staff picks article. I, I immediately regretted that because I locked that in like an hour before the George Kittle injury popped up. And now in retrospect, that feels like the writing on the wall where we maybe should have been a little bit more concerned. And then, of course, you wake up Sunday morning and you're watching NFL Countdown and they, they go to Chicago and they show people squeegeeing the field. Um, and, and, you know, for, everybody's probably seen the highlights or watched the game by now, but this is well beyond your normal sloppy rain game. I mean, by the end of this game, the, the field was, there were literally inches of rain pooling uh, on the field. So, I mean, it was, it was a slop fest. I, I think because of that, you can't come down too hard on Trey Lance who like honestly could barely throw the ball. You know, they're, they're showing slow motion replays at the end of the game and you can see the ball just slipping out of his hand as he's trying to throw it. I think that really hamstrung the 49ers, especially when, once they went down nine points, they just couldn't score quickly. I mean, it was it yep. was a, a game where you can't you can't throw the ball through the air. So what are you going to do? And obviously the Bears do that at that point. But uh, you know, if you're the 49ers, it's not often that you lose a game where the opposing quarterback completes oh, eight passes and you hold the opposing team to 2.7 yards per carry on 37 carries. Um, it was just a really ugly game. I, I, again, I, I think if I'm a Niners fan, I'm not panicking. You just kind of chalk this one up to the elements, but. Uh, they had a chance, you know, early on, it felt like to put their foot down and, and then just kind of sit on this lead in the ugly environment, but a big fumble by Debo Samuel early on. And then, you know, once yeah. they let Chicago back into the game, it, it just felt like they were scrambling. Yeah. And yeah, all, all the passing game elements, like you said, you can almost wash out there. Like Ayuk only had two targets, but of course he, he's a downfield guy and you can't throw mm-hmm. the ball. I mean, yeah, yeah and it's going to He looked happen. good early on. He had a big, like 30 plus yard catch. I want to yep. say, um, you know, in the first quarter when the 31, conditions yeah. weren't, weren't that bad. Uh, that was a nice play by Trey Lance, a really nice design. He was running wide open. But even after that play, he scampers out of bounds, and it took him like 15 yards, and he almost like en- ended up going into the, the first row of the stands uh, because the, the, you know, right. the, the footing was so sketchy there. So, yeah, I, I came away from that game not being too concerned. I, I think San Francisco is going to be okay. I, I think if there is one concern, like part of the reason that I stuck – on the 49ers and believe that they would pull through even in this weather is they seem like the type of team that that would be designed to win games in these conditions. You know, it's not a team that you expect to come out and throw the ball 50 times. Um, you know, it's not like a, a Peyton Manning Colts team where you say, Oh man, they, they need to be in a dome. Um, I, I think if, yeah, if there's one concern, it's that the 49ers are a team that on paper at least should thrive in these conditions. And they were, they were kind of beaten at their own game by a bad bears team. 
Yep. Uh, I, all these things are, I agree with there. I think the Mitchell injury was huge. He yep. was running the ball well, six for 41 before he got hurt. Uh, Wilson didn't run. Now, Wilson also had the tougher conditions. Um, mm-hmm. So for what it's worth, they you know, so much for Debo not running the ball that much. Eight for 52 and a touchdown, long of 27. Uh, you know, they, they, they also gave him eight targets. So uh, th- that's the only thing. Juwan Jennings was very active in this one. Any interest in picking him up six targets? Uh, maybe we'll see. I mean, there are so many disappointing receivers this week that, you know, you kind of do have to start evaluating your options when you're starting to look at your third, fourth, fifth guy. I, I think I'll probably stay away initially. I, I want to see like one game of normal football for the 49ers in a game where it's not a, you know, a, a Lake Michigan hurricane uh, before I, I make my judgments, but uh, somebody to monitor absolutely through one game. All right, let's go to the Thursday night game real quick. Uh, we did it. <coughs> We, we, we were broadcasting on Sirius XM live during that game. Had a question. Uh, Jazz asks, is, is Cam Akers done, though? Uh, are they trying to ease him back? I mean, that's a, there's a lot of Cam Akers anxiety out there, and I, I, I feel for you. I don't – I won't feel I'm, – I'm not going to be – I'm going to be empathetic, uh, but I don't have him anywhere. But uh, I would not trade for him. Let's put it that way. I'm not going to buy low. I think I hold – I think he's a hold – hold but bench for now i don't think he's a cut yet but i mean the com- comments after the game by sean mcveigh were not optimistic either he's like he needs to show some urgency here yep. and there you know i i think this could last a while uh, they get the falcons in week two um uh, mm-hmm. home game you know another game against the falcons so that um this should be a better matchup i think there was an extreme bad matchup against the bills and i think that had something to do with it i think so too i mean we did see Darrell henderson have moderate success you know as as of right now going into the monday night game he's he's the you know 27th best running back uh in, in standard formats in week one and and part of that uh you know he'll rise of course if you if you switch it over to ppr he did have five receptions um you know i i, I, w- I wouldn't quite panic i guess if i'm a, an acres manager obviously you're not going to just cut him after week one but i mean are you are you remotely comfortable starting him in week two nope. i mean you might you might not have a choice but i, I wouldn't feel good about it at all. I, I don't think you look at Thursday night and say, oh, it was just a bad matchup. I mean, he wasn't out there the first, what, two and a half series of the game. And, and then he, he would have been out, and, out even longer if Kyrian Williams didn't get hurt in that one in that right. game, too. Right. And, and once he gets on the field, you know, it's not like he just needed a chance and then looked explosive. I and mean, it was what, three carries, zero yards. Uh, you know, they were they were clearly looking to Henderson in passing situations. Uh, way too early to take a victory lap on this. I, I think chances are at some point this year, Cam Akers comes around. But uh, this is one of the, the few things that I do feel vindicated about through one week was just kind of avoiding Cam Akers at all costs. And, and you and I kept hammering home the point that if you're if you're going to invest in that Rams backfield, take Darrell Henderson at cost versus Cam Akers at cost. Yeah, the Rams offensive line looked terrible, too. I think oh, that's another big yes, takeaway, both run block and pass block. Um, just the, the front four for Buffalo just dominated that game. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, the Rams line has never been a, a true strength, but they, they certainly miss Whitworth, and they just look small out there. I, I, maybe it's the jerseys. I don't know what it is, but they, they were getting overpowered from the jump. I mean, it was a, every single member of that Bills defensive line, it felt like, had an above-average game. Yep. Uh, picking apart the Mona Lisa for the Bills, uh, the running game I mean, is a little bit of a concern. Um, you just don't know what – you know, it's hard to trust any back. Singletary got mm-hmm. more early usage. Moss got a lot late. And Cook got buried after his one fumble, after his one carry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the Cook fumble kind of threw things off, right? I, I would imagine they 
planned on using him a little more. And at the time, I mean, the fumble, you look at the final score and you think, oh, it's not a big deal. But, you know, at the time, the Bills had turned it over. I think that was their second turnover. Um, ended up having another one a couple of possessions after that. And it was still a one-score game. So it felt really important at the time. And, of course, that was his first NFL carry. So I, I think he it landed in the temporary doghouse and maybe didn't give us a, the greatest look at, at what this backfield is going to be. And, you know, I, I think it was kind of a unique game for Buffalo with the turnovers I mean, with how well the passing game was working. Josh Allen almost getting to 300 yards on 26 of 31, you know, super efficient day going up against that Ram secondary. My question is, you know, Josh Allen ran the ball 10 times in this game. It took some huge hits. Um, you know, oftentimes he's the one delivering the hit as he goes to the yeah. sideline or fighting for extra yards, which is good. But I, I don't think the bills want him, you know, running the ball that many times every single week. So I, I think a lot of weeks, you know, maybe you, we see Josh Allen with five or six carries and, and those are kind of redistributed to the likes of Singletary and Cook. And um, yeah, the Cook versus Moss thing over the next couple of weeks will be interesting to monitor. You know, how much do they hold that fumble uh, against James Cook going forward? Agreed. Saints Falcons. I wrote down on my notes. How did the Falcons lose <laughs> this game? It's 26 10. It's, uh, you know, even it's 23 10 and it's 26 10 with 12 minutes left. Mario had had a fumble on the five when it was 23-10. And they, but, yep. you know, they, they forced a three and out. They drove down, got a field goal. It was 26-10 with 12 minutes left. The Saints scored in a minute and a half after that. That was part mm -hmm. of it there. Uh, early on, the, the, the Saints could not get the passing game going. And they could not protect Winston at all. Uh, the Falcons' pass rush was getting home. It was really yeah. wild to see. Um, Alvin Kamara continues to get hurt by Taysom Hill. I think that's still think Kamara only had four targets in the passing game, all those direct snaps at Hill. Uh, that that's still going to be a source of annoyance. I think uh, Thomas looked great, looked really good in the second half. He was going up against an elite cover corner too, and beat him a couple of times late. Really nice passes, really nice uh, routes run there. Olave looked good in a couple spots, but Jarvis Landry was the guy that got a lot of targets. I think some of this was a catch-up mode game, though, and I think it's the fact that yeah. the Falcons have weak slot uh, slot corners. Of course, a lot of teams have weak slot corners. That's why they're slot corners. Uh, all right, what's your takeaway from, this, uh, from the Saints side of things? Well, I, too, found myself wondering how they found a way to steal this game. I mean, the, the fumble, like you said, it, it felt like that was going to be the big change in momentum that the Saints needed because at that point it looked like Atlanta was marching down to go up 30-10, to 10 and, and the game was probably going to be over. But they get the fumble – and they immediately go three and out. And at that point, it looks like Jameis is hurt. Like you said, the offensive line yep. did not do a great job. So, you know, they go to commercial and I, I'm expecting it's like Andy Dalton's coming into this game. Like it's probably over. They have no chance. And, you know, Atlanta goes down, gets a field goal, you know, goes up two scores uh, that made it a 16 point game. And yeah, like you said, a minute and a half, all of a sudden the Saints go down and, you know, force a couple of punts, get a long field goal. And, and there we are. This is one of like three or four games that at the time was just going back and forth and you had no idea. Uh, who is going to win uh, Bengals Steelers, of course, in that category. Uh, I mean, Colts Texans got, got a little wild as well, but uh, yeah, I can't wait to get to, to the Bengals game. I have, I have a lot of thoughts on that one, but yeah, yeah I mean, for the saints, it, I definitely did not expect to come out of this game with Taysom Hill being the leading rusher on four carries. You know, he had one driver. It was basically an all Taysom Hill drive. He accounted for like 70 yards on two plays, huge game for Jarvis Landry. I always say I, I have Jarvis Landry on like half of my teams. Of course I did not start him, anywhere uh did not nowhere him to, not even like not in a super deep league oh not not even in a super deep league nope i i have him on the bench just racking up points for me and in, in a ton of leagues i he's he's like the like the harrison barnes of, if you play fantasy basketball of like a guy who's just always available and like you, you feel okay starting him 
Uh, but then the one week you take him out, you know, he has like a 35 point game and uh, chances are, I would say this will probably go down as one of the two best games Landry has all year. Yep. So I, I you're going like to get whips on big time. I, exactly. I'm going to be chasing this all year. Um, but you know, overall, I think a really encouraging game from Michael Thomas. I mean, it's, it's buoyed by the two touchdowns. The first one especially was, was a hell of a catch, just a, a yep. really nice vintage, just kind of snag over his head in the corner of the end zone. Uh, not a catch that, that a lot of receivers can make routinely. Uh, and then, you know, had the second one to, to really help them in, in the second half. So really, really encouraging for Michael Thomas. Um, you know, if you took a chance on Landry, great. Olave, you know, you don't feel bad about it. You know, three for 41 in your first ever game, caught all three targets. But I think the the point of maybe mild alarm is is Kamara. Um, and, you know, it was a weird game script. You only had nine carries. Kind of reminds me a lot of, of Aaron Jones in the Green Bay game that we'll get to. Yeah. Um, just with the way that they fell behind, you know, you're not going to be running Alvin Kamara 16 to 20 times uh, in, in the second half. So, uh, you know, disappointing start if you if you drafted Kamara, but I, I don't think it's anything too concerning. On the Atlanta side, Marcus Mariota. I mean, he was Trey Lance at uh, a much discounted rate. Uh, mm-hmm. First play, design run, 11 yards. Uh, he, he scrambled for 72, I think, total. Uh, he threw the ball okay. Uh, wasn't great, uh, but you know, that we kind of expected that if you're a Kyle Pitts roster a manager, you're not feeling too great about it, but I'm actually not that worried about Pitts. Uh, they, the saints had Marcus Lattimore on him. Um, that's not going to happen every single week. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, you're not going to have an elite cover corner on them every single week. Um, it's just that the saints had a lot of familiarity with the Falcons and they, they dedicated Lattimore a lot to Pitts. Um, the problem is they, they got to get, you know, other people step up. Drake London looked apart. Um, Zacchaeus had that fumble, uh, after the catch made a couple other catches, but they need one more playmaker. I think, uh, I, I feel like yeah. that's the case. Patterson looked good, really ran the ball. Well, I know some people are talking about Damian Williams kind of unlocked that, that injury to Damian Williams. Cause Williams got mm-hmm. snaps early on. It doesn't matter to me because Patterson looked the part and was the part last year. And I, I think, you know, he, he is definitely their best back and he's a, he's a playmaker. Damian mm-hmm. Williams. Isn't that. Yeah, I agree. Like you said, we, we barely saw anything out of Williams before he got hurt. No Tyler Algier at all. Uh, one Scratched. of the early darlings yeah. of draft season. Um, so you can kind of put that one on the back burner for now. I mean, the Patterson thing is hilarious. Like we, you know, they spent all off season telling us like, you know, there's no reason to use him like we did last year. You know, we're, we're a young team we're we're progressing and here we go. Week one, 22 for 120 and a touchdown. And, you know, as of right now, he's sitting uh, as a top five running back in PPR formats in week one. So uh, I think everyone kind of collectively just took the Falcons at their word with Patterson. And now here we are. I mean, if you, if you got him, you know, way later than his 2021 production would imply, I think you're feeling pretty good about that, especially in light of the Williams injury, Uh, really good positive game. I think from Drake London, especially considering that we hadn't seen him in like almost a month since that first preseason game. I mean, we had no idea what he would look like. I think you have to be really impressed. And I, I'm with you on Kyle Pitts. No reason to panic. Weird game. Um, you know, obviously that a lot of the emphasis was keeping it on the ground with Mariota. And it was just overall just not a great week for tight ends in general. I mean, it, Travis Kelsey balled out. But other than that, it's like right now the, the number two, three, and four tight ends on the week are O.J. Howard, Taysom Hill, and Gerald Everett. So uh, disappointing day for, for, for Mark Andrews. Disappointing day for Kyle Pitts. A lot of those guys in the upper mid-level just – didn't do a whole lot. If you're looking to pick up a tight end, say you have George Brittle, um, are you picking up Taysom Hill, Gerald Everett, 
OJ Howard, who, who are you bidding on? I mean, OJ Howard is interesting because he, I, I think I read that he only ran like five or six routes on the day. He just happened to kind of get lucky with a couple of those touchdowns. So you, you would imagine that that's not super sustainable. That feels like a situation where people are going to rush out and grab OJ Howard and he's not going to have a game remotely close to this the rest of the year. Everett, you know, maybe worth a look. I, I was impressed by how much Justin Herbert was spreading the ball around. You know, Keenan Allen might end up missing some time here uh, with an injury. Uh, Taysom Hill, I mean, I kind of forgot about him. You know, once they essentially said he's officially making the switch to tight end, we, you know, we're, we're done with this quarterback thing. But you forget, I mean, I, I always kind of associated him so closely with Sean Payton. But if Dennis Allen is, is going to be, you know, as obsessed with, with getting Taysom Hill in the game plan as Sean Payton was week to week, I don't see why you can't pick him up. I mean, it, especially if he's going to be involved, you know, as a rusher as well. Um, so I, I think I would prefer Hill to Howard. You know, you, you're kind of doing it on a whim, but I think there's a little more upside there over the course of the entire year. Yeah, uh, I, I tend to agree. And I had Brevin Jordan in one of my Kittle leagues, mm-hmm. and obviously that didn't work out. So I'm back to the drawing board there. And I can't assume, <clears throat> you know, Kittle's still an issue. We didn't even mention, you know, no Kittle. Uh, in that first game was a bigger, perhaps a bigger deal too. Huge, for especially in that type of game. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's the type of game where someone like George, uh, George Kittle, you know, completely thrives. And by the way, going, going back to the Texans real quickly on, on the snap counts, OJ Howard had two touchdowns on 12 snaps. Um, you know, yeah, that's not sustainable. Farrell Brown was out there for 45 snaps. Brevin Jordan was out there for 40 snaps. Uh, Jordan was the runaway leader in routes run for the Texans at the position. So um, you know, reading between the lines, I, I think Jordan is still probably the guy that you want in that receiving core, you know, still pr- pretty low ceiling overall, but uh, a bit of a, a week one anomaly, I think, from OJ Howard. I agree. I, I 100% agree there. Um, okay, before we move on to our next game, a quick note from our friends on the Blue Wire Network. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All of our podcasts are hosted on the Blue Wire Network. Thank you for your uh, your hosting. Let's move on. Let's uh, hit next game uh, that we'll hit is the uh, the Patriots and the Dolphins. Oh, what a snoozer! Uh, not not much to see here on the on the Patriots side for sure. Uh, just the, the continuation of the uh, horrible preseason for them. I think we were kind of getting excited about Ramondre Stevenson maybe as a PPR type of back. He had two targets. Uh, and he split carries with Damian Harris, basically 50-50. Uh, the Ty Montgomery played after all, got more, got the one touchdown. There just there really wasn't much to say about the Patriots side of things here. This was an ugly, ugly game from the Patriots. And I, I, I took the loss in our staff picks on this one. I, I picked the Dolphins to win, but I thought the Pats could cover. They got nothing on offense. You know, they, they no. did have a touchdown in the third quarter. They that trimmed it to a 17 to 7 deficit and at that point you're thinking okay you get a stop here maybe they can work their way back into the game but the Patriots uh, for one could barely get stops and, and two you know their their final three drives of the game were punt four and out and a fumble that essentially ended the game late in the fourth and you know, mm-hmm. Mac Jones threw a pick on his first possession uh, had a essentially a strip sack that was it almost looked like a pick at first but it you know another turnover that led directly to a touchdown uh, for Miami. And and at that point, you know, Jalen Waddle, 40 yard touchdown right before the half, um, you know, that essentially sealed it for a Dolphins team that I, I think this was one of the hardest games to read, you know, because New England, everything that they showed us over the past month is this is a, a bad football team offensively that has no direction whatsoever. It has two bad offensive coordinators. They've looked awful every time we've seen the number one offense out there in the preseason. And then on the other shoulder, you have the, well, it, you know, it's Bill Belichick. They'll figure it out. He's got to get the benefit of the doubt. He's going up against a rookie head coach and Mike McDaniel. How could he possibly lose this game? And, you know, by the end of the first quarter, I mean, it was abundantly clear that the Pats were going to need, you know, some sort of minor miracle on offense to, to be able to keep up with the Dolphins team that didn't even play that well, it felt like. You know, I, this was not a fantastic game from Tua tunga He, you know, obviously did enough for the Dolphins to get the win, but I didn't come away from this thinking that he's a, a different quarterback. If anything, you know, I feel about the same about the Miami Dolphins, and I, I feel much worse about the Patriots. Yeah, uh, for good reason. Uh, really, really awful, awful start to the season for them. Uh, looking at uh, the Pats going forward, uh, you know, just I want to I want to stream defenses against this team now. Steelers get them next. It's at Pittsburgh. Now that's going to be without TJ Watt. We'll get to them in a second. Home, and then home against the Ravens at the Packers. I mean, those are all, I mean, you're not going to be able to stream the Ravens and Packers are already rostered. You might be able to f- pick up the Steelers. Steelers, obviously, 
you know, they had a huge defensive day. Uh, we'll see. But, uh, you know, you want you want your defenses against this team. I'm finding there's a lot of teams I want to stream against right now. Um, that, that'll probably change. But, you know, the, the Pats are one of them. They're, they're high on the list of teams I want to attack right now. Yeah, there are very few teams that you came away, you know, from week one being like, wow, this offense is just humming. You know, even the teams that, that had relatively easy victories, you know, I, I think Kansas City is the big one. Uh, and Buffalo probably being the other, but other than that, you know, it's, it's not like the Ravens put up 50 on the jets. Like there were, there were still some struggles uh, for, for a lot of these offenses. So yeah, I, I think you're right. It does seem like the defenses right now are, are ahead of the offense. Obviously in new England, we're keeping an eye on the Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson splits uh, Harris out snapped Stevenson 22 to 14. Uh, it was almost an even split in terms of carries. However, nine to eight uh, in mm-hmm. favor of Harris. I, I think, in a lot of ways, you know, kind of the nightmare scenario. If, if you're, you know, a, a manager right. took a chance on one or the other, or even as we discussed last week, we started to see some people kind of try to stack the two, just not a ton of production, you know, 17 for what? 73 yards total. Uh, not a ton through the passing game. It's, you know, Miami's a, a good defense, maybe not a great, great defense, but a good defense. So you, you can expect uh, probably better production week to week going forward, but uh, not, ex- not exactly an explosive debut for that duo. No, not at all. Miami side of things, they didn't run the ball at all. Uh, Edmonds 12 for 25, Mostert 5 for 16. Uh-huh. If you're asking who is the better back to have, the answer is neither. Uh, mm-hmm. Most, you know, I, I still think Edmonds is the guy. Edmonds had four targets, also four right. for 40. So, I mean, if you're in a PPR league, okay, fine. He got you 10 points, but you're not happy yeah. about it. Um, there'll be other games, other opportunities. Uh, the big thing is they force fed Tyreek Hill, 12 targets, eight for 94. Waddle got the touchdown, but he only had five targets. Yeah, Waddle got bailed out by the touchdown. I think that's one of the things. If you're just doing surface level, it's like, oh, yeah, it looked like a good game for Jalen Waddle. But the five targets, that's uh, that's something to monitor for sure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, five targets on 28 routes run. Uh, you know, really wasn't involved all that much in the running game. You know, he's a guy that certainly you can get going on reverses and things like that. Did have one for eight yards, but – uh, force feeding Tyree kill would be an understatement on some of those throws. Tyree kill to his credit brought one down that absolutely should have been intercepted. Um, yeah. really just a hail Mary, close your eyes and chuck it type of throw from Tua and, and Tyree kill, you know, even at his size is, is one of the best jump ball receivers in the game and, and, and kind of bailed out his quarterback there. But, uh, so yeah, I mean, overall you feel I, I still relatively encouraged about Waddle just because of, you know, the, the injury cloud for the last few weeks. It right. True. Me. It wouldn't have shocked me if he was kind of limited through this game. He appeared to be healthy, you know, ran, ran away from everybody on that touchdown. So that's a positive, but I feel, you know, if you're a Tyreek Hill owner, I think you feel really good coming out of here. I mean, it's force feeding is bad. If you, if you own the number two guy, it's fantastic. If you own the guy who's being fed. Did Miami vastly overestimate the skills of Mike Kosicki if they, by slapping the franchise tag on him? I think so. I think so. Um, you know, I read an article today earlier this morning that just basically said, like, you know, there's really no reason to be holding Mike Kosicki unless you're you're crossing your fingers for a trade. I mean, this looks like it, it might just be one uh, target, you know, kind of a, a good player who just doesn't fit what they want to do. Yeah, one target. Uh, it's a continuation of the malaise of the training camp and the preseason there. They just he's out of favor with this team. Uh, he's not getting a ton of snaps. He's not getting a ton of targets. I mean. I think he just I, I, he, he's clearly not startable right now. No, played fewer than half of the snaps. Uh, you know, Durham Smythe, uh, 38 snaps, Mike Kosicki, 25. So really trending <laughs> in the wrong direction. Really, really much. Really so. Uh, Ravens, Jets. Okay, one the, the top survivor team did go through. Um, they 
comfortably ahead most of the game. I mean, it took them a while for their offense to yep. get going. Uh, I let's, let's looking on the Raven side of things. So much for Mike Davis starting in place of uh, in, in place of uh, J.K. Dobbins. Uh, Davis got two carries. Um, Kenyon Drake was more the guy, but he wasn't really anything special either. They couldn't run the ball really much at all this game. 21 for 63. Uh, just very little work there. Uh, you know, Davis is a cut now in my, in my impression. I, I thought that he might be a sneaky start and instead he's just a flat out cut now. Yep. I agree. Uh, you know, I think the whole appeal with Mike Davis is maybe you were going to get use out of him the first two, three, four weeks of the year. Uh, you know, if you can't, if you can't get work in week one, uh, in this type of game, I think that's a really bad sign. So I'm with you there, but yeah, this is just a weird game. I mean, a comfortable win for Baltimore at, at first, it looked like maybe they were going to be in that zone of teams like San Francisco and, and Indianapolis that maybe mm-hmm. get tripped up, uh, by a bad opponent in week one, but a couple of big splash plays through the air. Uh, like you said, though, not a lot going on the ground for this Ravens team. Only six carries for Lamar Jackson. Uh, you know, they 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 were out first down in this game, twenty four to thirteen. Jets won the time of possession battle. Uh, Jets had you know over a hundred more total yards. Yeah. Uh, it was not a domination by any means. It was just some some timely throws, um, you know, to Rashad Bateman and Devin Duvernay for Lamar Jackson. But I, I think the the biggest thing for me is we 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 seem to have our answer on who the number two guy is going to be in Baltimore and, you know, we'll see how that transpires over the next couple of weeks, but Rashad Bateman, you know, he's still the number one. He did only have two catches on five targets, but Devin Duvernay four for four in terms of catches and targets, 54 yards and two scores. Yep. Yep. How interested are you in picking him up? I think I'm pretty interested. I, you know, I mean, I, I think maybe in, in a league, if you were, if you're a little bit deficient at receiver, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty heavily invested in uh, I, I have a couple like Mike Williams, Allen Robinson pairings, that let me down massively this week. Um, so maybe in a league like that, you know, you, you try to go out and add a little bit more depth. I mean, obviously you hope you're not uh, in a position where you're moving one of those guys to a bench roll, but uh, two touchdowns in week one, that, that's enough for me to have interest. That, you know, enough side sure. about that. Jet side of things. If you are a Brees Hall manager, what's your level of panic right now? Well, I, I am a Brees Hall manager in in one of those nffc leagues um you know i I think you're you're you know thanking the lord that he had six catches for 38 yards right uh, 10 targets which is nice uh so that salvaged what was otherwise a a pretty disappointing debut i I think you know michael carter looked like the better back in this game he goes 10 for 60 hall six for 23 um you know that split is a concern you you would imagine that eventually you know Brees hall uh maybe commands the lion's share of the carries going forward so I'm, i'm not in full on panic mode and you also have to take into account the game script here. I mean, Joe Flacco threw the ball 59 times Why in this game. 59 times. I mean, you're, you're playing Why? from behind, but still, 59 times. That's I mean, that, that was by far the leader among any quarterback this week. Yeah, sure, he had 307 yards, but is that 5.2 yards per target, I mean, per attempt. Oh, why? Bizarre. Bizarre game planning. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, again, I get it. You're, you're behind. You have to throw the ball. But uh, I, I think this Jets game – it's tough to have any real takeaways because of that. You know, they're not going to throw the ball 60 times a game uh, so long as Joe Flacco is, is under center. And I, I think yeah. that led to, it led to deflated numbers for guys like Brees Hall. And I think it led to inflated numbers for say Corey Davis, who goes six for 77 uh, in this game. I mean, he was targeted nine times. Uh, like I said, Brees Hall was targeted 10 times. Garrett Wilson, who you know looked like he would just be a, a maybe a total non-factor to begin the year, mm-hmm. he even goes four for 52 on eight targets. Yeah, eight targets, nine targets, seven for Elijah Moore. Very quiet game. Michael Carter had nine targets of his own. Michael Carter, 
I can you start Michael Carter? He had, you know, in a in a PPR league, he brought you 17 points. He didn't get in the end zone, but still 60 yards rushing, 40 receiving, plus on seven catches, seven for nine for 40. I mean, you know, PPR. This is why people argue against PPR leagues, by the way, is because you know, you know, you get 11 points just on those little short passes. But uh, yeah, he was the main guy. Yeah, RB 13 right now. In PPR leagues, I, I I think I think you could argue for starting him at this point. I have to check the matchup, uh, who the Jets have next week. Uh, home against the Bengals, or no, sorry, at the Browns and then the Bengals, uh, and then the Steelers. Yeah, as they yeah, they have the there. tour of the AFC North. Yeah, they get the AFC that. North to begin the year. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you don't feel great about that against the Cleveland Browns, but um, you know, you, chances are you might not have a better option. So I, I would be okay, you know, considering him a low end starter for week two. Indeed, indeed. Before we uh, break down the unbelievable Bengals and Steelers game, quick note from our friends at Vettel. Be honest, you can care more about your fantasy football team than your hometown team. But playing in a season-long league can sometimes feel like dating in your hometown. The same face is year in and year out. Enter Vettel. In Vettel's arena, you can import your season-long lineup to play anyone on our network in a weekly match for real money. With just a couple of clicks, you'll be matched with hundreds of other players with similar lineups that you can choose to challenge week in and week out. We know you spend hours every week pouring over your roster, so why limit yourself? Enter the arena and send your first $10 match to receive a $50 bonus from us straight to your account. Offer only eligible for your first match. Bonus feeds need to be used on future matches and cannot be withdrawn. Go to betel.com slash rotowire. Uh, uh, Bettle.co, excuse me, slash Rotowire. That's B E T T L E dot co slash Rotowire to sign up and import your team today. That's Bettle.co slash Rotowire. See you in the arena. All right. This is the other reason I have a pit in my stomach is Bengals Steelers. Unbelievable finish to this game here. I mean, it was an unbelievable start. It was just so weird of a game just bizarro game this was one of the weirdest games i've i've ever watched i, I think it it it, co- it came close in a lot of ways to that raiders chargers game to end last regular season yeah. um I, I mean this was I, i'll say this you know to try to kind of talk and begin with some optimism about your Bengals. i every week for, for the last couple of years I, I make my own power rankings every week just to kind of help me with with okay. picks and, and things like that just you know more so for fun than anything else I moved the Bengals up this week, despite losing this game to the Steelers. I mean, you have five turnovers from Joe Burrow. Uh, a few of them fluky. A few of them just kind of lazy, bad throws early in the game. Cincinnati moved the ball at will, you know, despite the five turnovers, despite losing your number two receiver fairly early in the game on a really, really hit. I would not be surprised if he ends up missing uh, a week or two with that concussion. That was one of those. T. Higgins were talking bad. about here, yeah. Yeah, it just kind of felt bad seeing him, you know, walk to the sideline. Cheap clearly. shot by Minka Fitzpatrick, but yes, go ahead. Um, yeah, that was an ugly one. Um, but they moved the ball at will. It, it felt like, you know, Pittsburgh would get the ball back and you'd say, all right, well, all they need to do here is get a couple first downs and this is probably over. Immediate three and out every time. Bengals get the ball deep in their own territory. All of a sudden they're over midfield and then there would be another crazy turnover. But, I mean, they were moving the ball up and down the field all, all afternoon. I mean, if they make an extra point, if they make a 27-yard field goal, they win this game, and, and it's all you know just kind of one of those uh, you, you just laugh away how ridiculous of a game it was. Um, even if they ended a tie, you know you, you're you're maybe laughing a little bit more than taking the loss. And I don't know. I still came away from this game being really encouraged that most teams that have five turnovers from their quarterback 
are not still having a 97% chance to win the game per ESPN probability late in the fourth quarter. Uh, and again, into overtime. So I don't know. I, it's a tough loss. It, it's never, never fun starting 0-1, but you now get to go play the Dallas Cowboys without Dak Prescott. Uh, and I, I still think you come away feeling really encouraged about how well the offense moved the ball, even if you were unable to finish most of those drives. Okay. So a couple of things, um, the offensive line, the newly revamped offensive line, Little seven shaky. sacks on Burrow. Seven sacks, four four picks, and the, a couple of those picks were directly related to the pressure. Um, it just I, inability to finish on fourth and short, like his first and goal from the one, and they couldn't convert. Uh, that that was bad. I mean, they had two fourth down failures on fourth down, and the uh, one was a pick, but it was really it was just a turnover on downs, just the same way. But fourth and one, third and one, fourth and one is a problem area for them last year. They weren't able to get that push. They weren't able to get that push again yesterday. Uh, but the the, the 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 injury to the long snapper, you know, who knew that that would play such a big role? The blocked extra point, uh, yep. and then okay, so. You're the Bengals. You know that snapping on kicks is a problem. You know it's a problem. It, it forced that the block kick on the extra point. Yeah. Um, you get the ball. You're driving in overtime. You play for the field goal. You go for the field goal on third and eight. Then when there's a bad snap, you still go ahead and kick it anyhow instead of throwing yeah. the ball away. That's the whole reason why you snap yes, it on third down. Exactly. That, that's what I was going to say. So I, I understand why they did it. I understand why they did it because you're accounting for the bad snap and then you get the bad snap. And I, it's easy for us to say, you know, to have the presence of mind because you need to make that decision right away. You can't put that ball down. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, I think you're preaching to your holder. Look, if this ball comes in way high, like it did just toss it. That's the reason we're doing this. So yeah, I, that was pretty. He's a veteran. Kevin Huber has been with the team for 10 right. years. He's a veteran punter. It's yep. not like he's like this, some kid or rookie that's, you know, f- freezing in the moment, but he froze in the moment. Yep. Not okay. Another stupid thing. Okay, so they survive that. They get the ball back. Right. Then they get stopped around midfield because again another sack. They snap the ball with 15 seconds left on their punt to the Steelers to give them enough time to have a drive. There was a running clock at the time. The Steelers are out of timeouts. They can't stop the clock. You know you're not getting the ball back. There's a minute left when you're punting. How do you snap it with 15 seconds left on the play clock? I'm just, oh, so stupid. Oh, so many dumb, dumb things in this game. Um, Mika Fitzpatrick got away with uh, the hit on T. Higgins. He get called for two other high hits, including one on a pick, another one later on. But that, you know, the funny thing is that paid dividends later on. Mike Thomas drops the ball in the end zone when he sees, he hears footprints and he sees Mika Fitzpatrick coming, lining up for another helmet hit. Um, and he dropped the only and chase caught it the next play, but still it's like, you know, another missed opportunity. So many missed opportunities yeah. in this game. I, 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 you know, the thing is it sucks. Cause it, you know, it just hurts more because, you know, there's a game we should have won despite the horrific badness early in this game, but at the same time, it's like, okay, yeah, there's, there's some fundamentally good things still, but missing Higgins is going to hurt. Tyler Boyd's going to be huge this next week. I think he's going to be a very huge component of that. If the Bengals can give Burrow time, and I, that's a huge if. I think the left side of that line is a problem. Jonah Williams, their left tackle, the one holdover, really struggled. Uh, their, their left guard, Cordell Volson, uh, who won the job battle at left guard, he, he struggled early on. So that that's something to watch for there a little bit. Um, but unbelievable sequences there. Everything that the Bengals got lucky on last year, I mean, yeah. it just felt like it got thrown back in their face. 
Yeah, that, that's, I kind of felt that way too. And yeah. I will say, you know, if you're concerned about the left side of that line, uh, we saw the left side of the Buccaneers line last night uh, have some pretty significant issues with Micah Parsons uh, and the Dallas Cowboys. So, you know, obviously you like Cincinnati's chances against the Cooper Rush Cowboys, especially considering how bad they looked even before Dak's injury right. last night. But uh, yeah, I mean, not, not exactly the, the easiest matchup for the left side of that line. And by the way, Jamar Chase played 100 snaps in this game. I mean, you talk about, we had multiple games that went all the way to the end of the overtime period. And yep. like you said, just missed opportunity after missed opportunity for Cincinnati. I mean, Pittsburgh was begging the Bengals to come back and take this game Four turnovers in the first half for the Cincinnati Bengals. And the, the Steelers proceeded to score six total points on their next nine drives. Yeah. The, the Pittsburgh deep uh, offense was moribund. Awful. 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 The whole game, the whole game. Yeah. They were, I mean, they had one, Flea flicker to the Friar Muth that, that worked out pretty well. It set up a score, but they couldn't even get a touchdown off of that. They had a sequence where they were at the one yard line, got stuffed and stuffed yep. again. Uh, couldn't they had to settle for a field goal? I mean, they had a pick six. Uh, I mean, the fact that seven sacks, four turnovers by the defense, and you only scored 23 points. Think about it that way. Uh, Najee Harris didn't play the overtime at all. His purportedly his foot was in a walking boot. He had the list frank thing in training camp. May some some rumors that he has a high ankle sprain. We'll find out a little bit more about that one, but um, not good, not good at all. There, Trubisky, eh, five point one yards per attempt. Um, it was pretty ugly. I thought it, it felt like for a while there in the second half, every play that was that was a pass, he was basically just drifting toward the sideline and throwing it at the last second. Yeah, um, like this Pittsburgh. If you didn't watch this game, this Pittsburgh passing offense was brutal, brutally bad. Um, I, I'm a little concerned. You know, if you're if you're a Chase Claypool investor, I mean, Deontay Johnson was able to sound a decent. They had a crazy catch late yep. uh, that that really ended up kind of bailing out Pittsburgh, but still, that was not... their only downfield pass to a receiver all day. That, yeah, that I mean, it was it was bad. Like they the way that they were operating on offense, you would almost expect that like they were playing like they were playing in a windstorm or a rainstorm. Like it yeah. was it was so it was no different than the Ben Roethlisberger offense. That was the th- yeah. the takeaway I had from that. Exactly, I mean, they it could was do nothing downfield. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We saw nothing from George Pickens. Um, I think that was kind of buried in how absurd this game was. Is George Pickens had one catch for three yards on three targets. Um, you know, the Drew, one thing Drew was, all that critical PI that was BS, but you know, sorry, that's a Bengals fan. Sorry. <laughs> well, I agree. Um, there were there were some questionable ones at the end of that. Yeah. Um, although the Bengals, you know, there there were a few that I thought went their way uh, at the end as well. Pat Fryermuth, you know, oftentimes in these ugly offenses where you can't throw the ball downfield, the tight ends ends up, end up benefiting. By default, I think we're going to see the same with Cole Komet in Chicago over the course of the season. Uh, but Fryermuth, five for 75 on 10 targets. I think he's kind of the only guy who you come out feeling the same or maybe a little bit better about in this Pittsburgh passing game in week right. one. And, and, and the backup tight end Gentry had a big play too. Yeah. Uh, and that, but that's all, but that's also, but Fryermuth is definitely, you know, the, the guy for sure. 10 targets mm-hmm. in this game. Johnson got 12 targets. Yeah. The, the lack of Pickens was the thing. And I think they had a woozy on Pickens and a woozy as their best cover corner. Uh, so that ha- that might have had a lot to do with it, too. Yep. Yep. Well said. I mean, we'll see on Najee Harris. I mean, that one looked like the way he reacted. I thought he tore his ACL or so. I mean, he was writhing around uh, and that looked really bad. And then he just kind of hopped up and, and limped, his, limped his way over to the sideline. He was up. He was still in uniform watching the last like, you know, the full overtime period and the end of the fourth quarter. So that that's a, a big wait and see what, you know, wouldn't surprise me. If maybe he ends up playing in week two, also it wouldn't surprise me if he misses a few weeks. There's been some inklings that maybe mm-hmm. it's a high ankle sprain for Najee Harris. That would likely knock him out for at least a couple games, you would think. Um, and I am now just seeing a, a tweet from Jonathan Jones uh, over at NFL on CBS 
this is about 20 minutes ago, he said there's now some optimism that TJ Watt did not suffer a full pectoral tear. Uh, and in that event, if that is the case, uh, he would he would likely be able to come back in like four to five weeks. Yeah. Yep. Um, that would be that would be huge. Uh, TJ Watt was amazing in this game. Mm-hmm. He also took a cheap shot at uh, um, at Burrow after one of the interceptions, but it's not better. I'm still not better. But <laughs> anyway, yeah. yeah, let's move on. Hate the Steelers. Move on. Colts Texans 2020. And it was a miracle comeback by the Colts just to get to that. And then a choke in the in, in the in the overtime there. Uh, Seventeen points in the fourth quarter just to get it to that. Texans had this game won. Um, let's talk on the Colts side. Matt Ryan was really on the struggle bus early in this game. He rallied a lot. They, he connect with Pittman late, uh, but you know, and Pittman got a lot of targets. Thirteen targets in this game. Um, but this was supposed to be a thing that was fixed with Matt Ryan. This was the adult in the room. And meanwhile, Carson Wentz had a better game than Matt Ryan. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. That's what I have in my notes, essentially, is you brought in Matt Ryan to not throw an, a two-yard interception on a screen pass. You know, you brought yeah. in Matt Ryan to make sure that you don't lose to the Houston Texans in week one, and he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. And, you know, Carson Wentz had his mistakes as well. I mean, he threw back-to-back picks. Uh, on back-to-back passes at one point in that game, but also had four touchdowns for the first mm-hmm. time since he was a member of the Philadelphia Eagles. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, Carson Wentz, if you're just saying, like, who, who played better in week one, it was him. And, you know, just a, it was a weird game script from Indianapolis. Like, they fall behind. Uh, Houston at one point was up 20-3 to in this game. And, and you know, I actually in some ways admire that Indianapolis did not go away from the run. Like, they got back yeah. into this game running Jonathan Taylor. That's uh, right. Despite, despite, obviously, you know, running clock as you do that. But – uh, I, I think, you know, we saw Michael Pittman play well. I think you feel really good if you paid up for him. Nine for 121 on 13 targets. Naheem Hines, very much involved in that passing game. But beyond that, I mean, if you were if you were an Al Pierce guy, he had probably the second worst drop of week one behind only Christian Watson, who had one of the worst drops you will ever see. Hmm. Uh, but Pierce, Pierce dropped a huge would-be touchdown in this game, back of the end zone, hit him right in the hands. Yeah. Um, and that was one of only two targets on the day, I think, he was pretty much done after that, but the number two, you got receiver, the James cook treatment after that, he got the James cook treatment, you know, the number two receiver job in Indy wide open at this point. Um, Still I mean, Ashton, Ashton yeah. Doolin was the number two receiver uh, for this team. Three for 46 uh, Paris Campbell, three for 37. It might be one of those situations where it's week to week and you know, nobody ever truly emerges behind Pittman. Yeah, it's funny. We were talking how maybe the gap would be narrowed after week one, and instead it was widened. It was um, widened, yes. Yeah, which is it's is weird to see. Uh, Texans side of things, that fart that no, fart noise you hear is uh, Damian Pierce's fantasy managers. I, honestly, I'm going to say that this is this is probably temporary a little bit. This was kind of a tough matchup, yep. uh, but Burkhead out carrying Pierce is just not something you want to see. Uh, but neither got on track. Each had a no. long of eight. Right. Yeah. They were unable to run the ball at all, uh, even without, um, you know, the, the, the artist formerly known as Darius Leonard uh, available for that Indianapolis right. goals defense, you know, Burkett at least gave you five for 30 uh, in the passing game. I, I think what's most concerning with Pierce is that he was not on the field really for any of those key situations late in the game. It was Burkhead uh, late in the fourth quarter. It was Burkhead yeah. through, through overtime as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's also, you know, you have a veteran kind of old school coach, at the helm of this team, it's not shocking that he would favor some veterans early in the year. I, I, I'm not panicking 
if I'm, if I'm a Pierce manager, I, you know, the leagues that I have him in, I, I think I was able to kind of keep him on the bench and, and kind of soft launch him for week one. Uh, but yeah, if you went in all in on Damian Pierce, like to be your RB two, you're not feeling great about it thus far. Yeah. You t- if you took Pierce over Cordero Patterson, for instance, like yeah. I did. Which, yeah. Um, like- yeah. Uh, not, not very happy at all uh, about that one there. Well, yeah. Maybe, you know, it, it, it's maybe a distrust of a rookie. Maybe uh, the, you know, you got to trust him on blitz pickup. Maybe that's, you know, third down. We didn't see a whole lot of Pierce either. That's the thing that's kind of concerning too. Uh, Rex Burkhead had eight targets. Pierce had one. Don't yeah. like that at all. Uh, Davis Mills didn't throw, didn't throw any turn, throw any interceptions. Didn't do a whole lot going downfield. Uh, you expect a little bit more of that. Cooks had one long catch, 42. Uh you know, we mentioned OJ Howard can't quit OJ Howard, but, uh, and I, I wanted to see a little bit more out of Nico Collins only got three, three targets in this one. Yeah. That was a little disappointing. Uh, weird, weird game for this Texas passing offense, you know, with multiple tight ends involved and, and obviously OJ Howard having that game. I mean, Chris Moore was essentially the, the number two receiver, I guess, uh, for, for the Texans, but I think if nothing else, I mean, kind of good to see the Brandon cooks point hammered home. Like he's very clearly, the number one guy for Davis Mills. And, and this was still a pretty encouraging showing for Davis yeah. Mills. I know I was, I was reading uh, Chris Liss's observations early this morning and he just threw a stray note out there. He's like, I would rather have Davis Mills than Tua, you know, just for, you know, if you're talking real quarterbacks, not fantasy. Yeah. I think I agree with him on that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, it's, it's I think so least. too. I think so too. All right, let's move on. Uh, but before we move on to, you know, wheelhouse Jaguars here, let's get another read in from one of our good sponsors, uh, the fun folks from Vivid Seats. Hey, football fans, get your jerseys on and your tailgate snacks ready. Turn off the grill when you're at the tailgate. When you're done, please. Miami fans, that applies to you. That's right. NFL season is back, and so is your cho- chance to score tickets with Vivid Seats. Download the Vivid Seats app or visit vis- vividseats.com to see your team schedule. Compare tickets and secure your spot in the stands. As the only ticketing company with the reward program, Vivid Seats is the winning app for NFL fans like you. Earn credit when you buy 10 tickets and cash in to catch more games all season long. With tickets from Vivid Seats, you'll go from watching the game to being a part of it. Go to vividseats.com and find us in the App Store to browse unbeatable seats. We'll see you in the stadium. I've used Vivid Seats before. Good, good vendor. Uh, when I did my college tour with my daughter, we went to a Padres game. worked out really well. Jacksonville against the commanders in this one here. Some uh, wild fourth quarter shenanigans here. The Jags made a game of it there, but uh, they couldn't stop Carson Wentz. Well, they kind of did. They, they, they picked him off twice and got a sack, but four touchdown passes for Carson Wentz. Uh, and this one here, big takeaway is uh, the rookie Jahan Dotson with two touchdowns running some really nice routes. Curtis Samuel, 11 mm-hmm. targets. Looked really good in this one. Yeah, big takeaway for me is that the Jaguars at the end of the day are still the Jaguars, and they will hmm. do whatever it takes to find ways to lose close games. Uh, yes. They're just not a team that inspires any confidence in late-game situations. Uh, I think we saw a good deal uh, of good things from Trevor Lawrence, especially early in this game. I mean, the Jaguars didn't put up really any kind of offense in the first half, did just get a field goal, but marched right down, were unable to finish their first drive, thought Lawrence made a lot of good throws, but still still struggles in, in what seem like non-scripted situations. You know, if he, if he can set his feet, look at a target, get the throw off, I mean, it's money. It looks really good. When he has to run around and, and make a play, there's still something missing there. I, I think that's what's pretty concerning to me as far as like taking that next step. And it's like, if you want to be, if you want to be an elite, elite quarterback in the NFL, which is what people think 
Trevor Lawrence can be, you know, you need to be, a, you need to be close to like Rogers, Brady, Mahomes, Herbert levels. You know, you, that, that's, that's what the standard is. If you want to be considered a top five guy. And I, yep. I, I don't think he's shown that kind of upside quite yet. And, and part of it is having, you know, still a pretty shaky receiving group. Although Christian Kirk looked really good in this game, six for one seventeen. Um, yeah, just a, a little, a little shaky start for Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he missed a wide open Travis Etienne on kind of a nice yes. a wheel oh. play up the sideline. That would have that early would have on totally, in that game. Yep, early in the game that would have set the tone for Jacksonville. That would have completely changed, I think, how we view this game from Travis Etienne. I mean, he comes away from Week One, I think, being one of the biggest disappointments relative to cost. Only four carries uh, did get to forty-seven yards on those four carries, but it was James Robinson. Uh, who was favored uh, in this game in terms of running the ball, you know, got in the end zone and in the second half. Yes. And in terms of snaps and, you know, ETN two catches, 18 yards on four targets. The the two non catches of those four targets were both or both should have been touchdowns. One of them an overthrow by Lawrence, the second one, just a drop by yeah, ETN. And it, it wasn't going to be a walk-in touchdown, but it was one of those that if he secures that ball, he probably has the inside track to beating a defender to the corner of the end zone. So yeah. Uh, big time, frustrating, kind of what could have been type of day for ETN owners. Yep, hundred percent, hundred percent. But there'll be better days ahead. I think. Maybe. Give me the guy. Give me that guy that shows that potential that can get open like that twice. Um, yeah. And good things will eventually happen. It's kind of like when Chase was dropping balls in the preseason last mm-hmm. year. It's like, give me the guy that can get open like that. Christian Kirk was supposed to be the stand, like the clear top receiver for the Jaguars. He was. Six yep. for 117, 12 targets. Uh, Zay Jones did get nine targets. So it was interesting to see Zay over Marvin. Um, and and then Ingram had four targets. Yeah, okay. Didn't, you know, but, uh, you know, he, he didn't drop any. Kudos <laughs> to you. Yes, yeah. the miracle of all miracles. Zero drops for Evan Ingram in week one. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's a very clear top three in this Jags receiving core. There's a huge drop-off between that top three. And then, you know, I guess the nominal number four receiver is Tim Jones. Uh, who only got two snaps in this game. You know, they'll yeah. use Jamal Agnew uh, as a receiver at times. He's kind of a gadgety special teams right. uh, type of player. But it's I, I think it's going to be Kirk and the two Joneses doing the, the vast amount of the heavy lifting for this team when healthy. But uh, a tough, tough start because the Jags, I mean, you got you got the Colts, the Chargers, and the Eagles the next three weeks here. So we could very well be looking uh, at another 0-4 start for the Jags. It was a, a difficult, difficult weekend for Jaguars, Packers, Badgers Nation. We'll say that. Yeah, I bet. I bet it was. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Big 10 West represent there. Oh yeah. my gosh. First to three wins takes the division. Uh, Antonio Gibson, uh, you know, this is what we've been screaming about that he's capable of doing seven for 72 in the passing mm-hmm. game on eight targets, 14 for 58 running the ball. Yes. He's capable. Of, yes. He, he, he occasionally makes mistakes. He, ha- he has, he is fumble prone and that's the problem with him, but the, the, the dude, all he did was catch passes at Memphis. He was amazing in that capacity. How they thought that they needed to have McKissick in there on passing downs all the time over him it was just mind-boggling. You know, McKissick can catch passes. He's fine. But Gibson, he's mm-hmm. – I mean, he was running routes. The 26-yarder they connected on, that was a receiver play. That wasn't a running back play. Yeah, exactly. He's – I mean, he's as close to a hybrid uh, as it gets, and – um, you know, salvage day, just an okay day on the ground, but you go 70 for, or seven catches for what, 72 yards. Uh, he's yeah. right now, he's a top 10 guy uh, in PPR leagues at the position for the week. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if you, you kind of have to view Gibson as somewhat of a temporary starter, just because we don't know what's going on with Brian Robinson. And, and obviously things seem to be slipping away 
uh, mm-hmm. in the preseason. But I think you got to ride this as long as you can. All right. And the the, the trio of receivers all uh, cashed in for the commanders. McLaurin only had two catches, but one of them was a long one for a touchdown. That pays the bills. Samuel had the volume and a touchdown. Did have a fumble. Uh, and then Dotson with the two touchdowns. I saw uh, that his rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year odds, he's, he's now tied for tops uh, among offensive rookie of the year candidates there, which strikes me as an overreaction because he only had five targets. Well, it's, it's definitely an overreaction. Uh, but, I mean, just having the two touchdowns, you know, gives him such an advantage because, I mean, who are the, the co-favorites coming into the week at some books were Kenny Pickett and – George Pickens and you know obviously True. Kenny Pickett Kenny Pickett didn't take a snap and George Pickens didn't do anything so and there was a report on Pickett by the way that he might sit and watch all year sit and right. learn I believe was the phrase Jay Glazer used yep yeah he went from nine to one three days ago at DraftKings he's now 14 to one to win rookie of the year and yeah like you said Jahan Dotson now the favorite at nine to one Olave 10 to one London 10 to one <laughs> Romeo Dobbs still holding strong at 11 to one uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a really, really weird race to track. Jalen Tolbert, who I don't even know if he played last night. No, he, he was a scratch. He yeah. was a scratch. You can get that guy at 16 to 1 right now. Value which, City. The, the Cowboys are a mess. We'll get to them in a second oh, there, boy. but that was yeah. crazy. That was a yep. crazy, crazy decision. All right. Uh, team that's going well, Philadelphia Eagles. Yep. Uh, 38 35 winner over the Lions. Uh, Although this game got close, the Lions, mm-hmm. it's a, a reprise of last year where they fell behind big and then had some late scores to put a scare in the Eagles a little bit there. Yep. Uh, you know, but still, the the Eagles, I mean, look at it, just, you know, what a command performance all the way around. Jalen Hurts, 90 rushing yards and a touchdown. He didn't have any passing touchdowns, but he connected with A.J. Brown early and often, 10 for 155. Uh, their offense was humming. And that's after like a little slow start. They just yeah. kind of just took over this game. Yeah. Yeah. First touchdown of the game came on a long, long drive that didn't actually finish off until the start of the second quarter. So you put up yeah. 38 points in three quarters if you're the Eagles. And, and, you know, their foot was certainly off the gas for most of the fourth as well. I mean, no scores on their final three drives. Love the decision by Nick Sirianni to go for it. Uh, they had a fourth and one with just over a minute left at the Detroit 40. So you're kind of right in that zone where it's like, yeah, you could punt it, but if it goes into the end zone, it's only a difference of 20 yards. And at that point, Detroit was moving the ball. Like, I, I think I think it was, you know, partially, hey, we have this big bulldozer of a quarterback who can just get us one yard, and that's what ultimately happened. But part of it was like, I don't know if we fully trust our defense to stop the Lions from at least getting a field goal here. Contrast that with Atlanta. Fourth and one from the 50, and they just mm-hmm. they punted away. They well, they did the run it down and get the you know, get all the seconds off the clock and then and then take the penalty and then punt it yep. away. And it took one play to get back to the 50, uh, throw to Jarvis. Right. That's how it always there. seems to work, right? When, yeah. when when you need to move the ball, magically all of a sudden, you know, things open up and you know, defenses are obviously you know playing the sidelines and things like that. But yeah. and Atlanta uh, had the same dynamic, they were killing him on the offensive line. Patterson yep. was running wild. Mariota, if you do a naked bootleg there, that's gonna work. I mean, just they win the game and yeah, the Eagles chose to win. Mm-hmm. The Atlanta tried to choose to, to play it safe and you know, that's, you get, you get what you get. Yep. hundred percent. Um, you know, Eagles, like, like you said, 38 points. I mean, I was, I was really praying for a one final stop uh, to, to get that cover for the staff picks, but alas, uh, the, the lions do cover this number that was moving, you know, pretty heavily in favor of the Eagles in the hours leading yeah. up to kickoff. Feel pretty good about Jalen hurts 17 for 90 and a touchdown on the ground. They were not afraid to run him all afternoon mm-hmm. uh 243 through the air no touchdowns slight disappointment um you know that, that that puts a little bit of a damper 
on AJ Brown's 10 for 155. But still, I, I think, you know, if you took a chance on, on AJ Brown early in the draft, like I did in my final NFFC, I, I was relieved uh, that, that he got the lion's share of those targets. One of the biggest panics, though, of the week is Devontae Smith, who I think a lot of people pretty comfortable penciling in as maybe a wide receiver three. Uh, I mean, he goes 0 for 4 uh, in terms of catches and targets and just really faded out of the game plan. Yeah, but he was on the field every play. He ran the routes. Um, They also, I mean, they ran for 216 yards in this game too. So I think that's one of those takeaways. They just didn't throw the ball that much. All You know, 32 passing attempts. I guess it was a little bit more than I thought, but I mean, they had four different rushing touchdowns. I mean, that's just the way it goes. I mean, I think, you know, Goddard got one big, you know, three for 60, but he didn't do a whole lot either. I mean, they each had four targets. If you look at it, it's just, they are force feeding AJ Brown. And why wouldn't you AJ Brown's awesome. Um, So yeah, it is. It, you worry about that maybe target hog dynamic for a team that does like to run the ball a lot too. So those are things that can be concerned about. That said, this was a this is they were protecting a big lead. It was 24-14 yeah. at halftime. Um, it was, after the third quarter, it was thirty-eight to twenty-one. I mean, they were just trying to finish this game off. They didn't, weren't playing catch up at all. So I think that has something to do with it too. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not panicking. Quite yet, you know, with Devontae Smith, I, I kind of laid out the case last week, I think, for why he he fits so well. He fits the profile, I guess, of a of a number two guy, um, you know, having someone like A.J. Brown to, to kind of take some of that pressure off. Uh, so I, I still think he's going to be fine. And, and like you said, it's a good point on the game script. I mean, they were this was a game that they led, what, 38 to 21 uh, for most you know early in the second half and until Detroit yeah. clawed its way back. So we saw a lot of running plays, a lot of just chewing that clock by the Philadelphia Eagles, but we, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Miles Sanders finding his way into the end zone for the first time since week 16 yep. of 2020. Uh, he got in early, got it out of the way, uh, and then ended up having a really nice game. Four different rushing touchdowns by uh, uh, three, you know, hurt, including Hurts, but Sanders, yep. Hurts, Gainwell, and Scott all had rushing yes, touchdowns. Of course, Boston Scott game. gets in on the action. Yeah. Uh, on the Detroit side of things, Swift looked great. He really looked good. really good. Uh, 15, 144. Just the only thing that's annoying is that Jamal Williams stole two, two touchdowns twice. from him. Yeah. Yep. Twice. This could have been, I mean, this could have been a monster performance by DeAndre Swift. Like he did, he did almost all the work on those drives. And then yeah, twice got, got sniped by Jamal Williams, mm-hmm. more touchdowns. But I mean, I, I think just in terms of, you know, performance versus expectations for me, I think Saquon Barkley and DeAndre Swift were the two big standouts. Yep. I mean, you expect Jonathan Taylor to have the game that he had, but I think in terms of just like, wow, these guys, you know, they look legit. Um, DeAndre Swift looked amazing. And, and Barkley looked back to like, you know, 2019 Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get to that one there. But uh, Liz is crowing on that one there. Anybody who pushed up Barkley is very happy. Uh, St. Brown, 12 targets look great. Uh, we were worried about maybe continuing that production after a finish of his rookie year. But uh, he, he, he was their main guy. There's no reason to believe that he won't be going forward. Uh, Chark got eight targets, had one bad drop really, really on. Really bad drop. Yeah. yeah. I, I, that brought back some memories for you, I imagine. Yeah, was uh, PTSD watching that game. But salvaged yeah. it. Yeah, like you said, got in the end zone, four for 52. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for the Lions, the big takeaway for me is just you you feel really good about DeAndre Swift. You know, I was – he's one of those guys that, for me, I was I was kind of on the fence. I was usually mm-hmm. leaning – like, if, if it was a tie between him and the other backs in that zone, I would usually lean away from him. And that's looking like it might be a mistake. Yeah. Uh, agreed there. So uh, yeah, all in all, I mean, not not a terrible loss for the Lions. I mean, there there will be better days for them going ahead. Uh, let's move on. Uh, got one more of uh, the early slate, and that one was Cleveland, Carolina. Uh, this one was a furious comeback uh, by Baker Mayfield, spoiled 
by the a, a rookie kicker who, who might be this year's Evan McPherson, 58 yarder uh, in, in York uh, there that nailed it at the end there. Uh, just, you know, bit, I, you know, Browns were my best bet in staff picks. And for a while I was like, okay, I got this one nice and easy in the bag. It, it's 20 to seven and Carolina's not doing anything. And then they kind of rallied yeah. late on this one. Yeah. This is one that I, I put in my pocket as well. Uh, in, in the, you know, the pick'em league that I, that I do that, you know, I, I find myself probably caring the most about wh- whether I should or not through all my fantasy and gambling interests. This was like the biggest swing game of the week. You know, you had a lot of people who were all in on Carolina. Some were all in on Cleveland. I was on the Browns, felt awesome about it. Uh, all of a sudden you look up and there's Robbie Anderson running wide open for a 75 yard touchdown yeah. midway through the fourth quarter. And suddenly this goes from being a two score game where you're looking, thinking you're, you're thinking to yourself, like, how is Carolina going to find a way to score twice uh, on a, in a day where they just have not been able to do anything. And all of a sudden it's 23, 24. And all of a sudden Carolina has the lead after a punt from Cleveland. Uh, but yeah, kind of a miracle finish there for the Browns to escape with their first week one victory since 2004. Wild, wild stat. Crazy. Uh, let's look at Carolina first. Christian McCaffrey only had 14 touches, 10 for 33 on the ground, yeah. got a touchdown at least to salvage his day, four for 24 in the passing game. You know, okay, it didn't kill you. Not what you're expecting when you're, you're you know, as if you passed on one of the big three wide receivers, though, for McCaffrey, this is not what you paid for. No. No. And I, I will say that the number one thing, you know, that stands out, of course, is the the volume. But it just it just traces back to how this game flowed for Carolina, which was just unable to get anything going until late. Only 15 total first downs in this game. They only had the ball for 21 minutes compared to 38 minutes for the Cleveland Browns. And the biggest thing is they only ran 50 plays. They ran the fewest plays of any team by far that's yeah. played thus far in week one. Uh, the Ravens were, were the second fewest at 53. Contrast that to the Bengals, who ran 94. Um, you know, obviously, you had an overtime period there as well. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are plenty of teams that did not go into overtime that were in the high 60s into the 70s in terms of plays run. So just kind of a weird game script for Carolina. Uh, I, I don't I don't think – I think it was more that than Carolina, you know, making this concerted effort to limit Christian McCaffrey's workload. You know, it's not like there was another back who had eight carries. You know, it was – Christian McCaffrey had 10 – Deontay Foreman had two, Chuba Hubbard had one. One, they just didn't run the ball that much. Two, they just didn't run that many plays. So to me, yep. it's not overly complicated. You know, obviously you don't feel great about this start for McCaffrey, but uh, weird matchup, weird circumstances with Baker playing his old team. I, I wouldn't be too concerned. Yeah, uh, I probably wouldn't either. Um, I, I'll, except for just the inability to move the ball and get off the field. I mean, Cleveland just ran and ran and ran. 39 yes. carries for 217 yards. Chubb went for 141. Frustrating in a a little bit for Chubb because Kareem Hunt got the the short touchdown. You know, Chubb just doesn't get used in the passing game. He only had one target. Uh, yeah. Kareem Hunt you know, he has to get his too. He had eleven carries and four targets. So you want to see a little bit more out of that. But uh, you know, they they really ran effectively on this one. DJ Moore, you got to be frustrated with it. He only had the the three for forty three. Um, I, you know, I had some shares of Terrace Marshall. I will not have any shares of Terrace Marshall <laughs> after this, uh, that he's clearly out of favor with the organization. Shai Smith was on the field more than him. So, uh, yeah, mo- I'll be moving on from that. We saw that a little bit in the preseason. Wanted to maybe see if maybe the regular season changed that out, but that's not the case. Yeah, I mean, Terrace Marshall was nowhere to be seen in this game. Didn't even take a snap. Uh, so I think that dream might be dead. I mean, he was a, he was a trade or a cut candidate at the end of camp. And it, it seemed like maybe there's, there's some smoke to those rumors. 
Um, I mean, I stayed away from DJ Moore for the most part. This was kind of my concern. It's like, I, look, it's, it's Baker Mayfield. It, it might be Sam Darnold at some point. I just don't want any part of that. Um, and with McCaffrey, you know, you and I have been anti-McCaffrey guys, but for me, it's just about injury. You know, I'm not, yeah. not going to sit here and take a victory lap and be like, yeah, I, I told you Christian McCaffrey would barely be used against the Browns in week one. Um, I still think he's going to have a really good year as long as he stays healthy. So yeah, for me, it was about the injury. It, it wasn't really concerns about usage. So I'm not, I'm not going to, uh, you know, say that I had any inside track on that. Yeah. Uh, Mari Cooper, three for 17 on six targets. Yuck. Uh, uh, yeah. Donovan Peoples-Jones was more tar- was more frequently targeted. Um, yeah. that's, that's a, big, that's a concern. big catches late in the game for Peoples-Jones, too. Yeah, he was, it was. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Cooper had it was downgraded because of the quarterback situation, but not enough, it seems like to me. Uh, before we get into the uh, later games, our, our last note, uh, football is officially back on Monkey Knife Fight with all the NFL action you're looking for. And if college football is more your speed, they've got plenty of that too. On Monkey Knife Fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win, daily fantasy player plot props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com and you'll get your first game free. Then use promo code RWNFL to get your first deposit matched up instantly up to $100. So what are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. All right, uh, let's hit the later games, four afternoon games plus the evening game here. Uh, we'll wrap, we'll, we'll power through these here. Uh, I think yeah, we got a lot of people chiming in. Appreciate that there. Those people are chiming in on us here. Let's hit up uh, the, uh, the Titans versus the Giants. And Giants winning kind of... I think this was like a smash and grab win. I mean, they were big time. They were terrible in the first half, just terrible. And then they unleashed Barkley, and Barkley really had two big, huge runs, 68 yarder, 18 for 164. And just as importantly, seven targets, six for 30 in the passing game, too. I, I mean, like you said earlier, Barkley was one of the big revelations of the week that, you know, we knew he was looking better in camp. That was the one thing that was looking better. But I mean, this is a, I mean, this, this was a huge performance by him. Carry them. He and the one big play to Sterling Shepard were the reason why they were able to pull this game out. Yeah, I can't wait to talk to Chris on the XM show later this week and and let him just kind of revel uh, in this performance by Saquon Barkley, who looked amazing. I mean, he looked quick. He looked agile. He looked powerful. Uh, you know, even the, the little shovel pass that the Giants used uh, to ultimately win this game and go for two. At the end of this one, uh, yeah. with about a minute left, I was I was on the fence about that one. I mean, they were they were playing good defense. I I think that was a really really gutsy call. It was a real uh, man by call. Brian Dable. It was a real man call, and honestly, it wasn't that great of a play because they, it, it was all Saquon Barkley. I mean, he kind of absorbed a hit right away and just powered his way, stayed low, uh, and, and was able to get across the goal line. But it was not mm-hmm. exactly a, a walk in the park to get that two point conversion. That was all Saquon Barkley being Saquon Barkley. So yeah. great win by the Giants. I mean. Honestly, the Titans probably should have won this. I mean, it was a, a very makeable field goal for Randy Bullock at the end. 47-yarder. I mean, one that he would he would normally make, had a good look, uh, and just pushed it. But, uh, yeah, like you said, a smash and grab win for the Giants, who had two disastrous defensive holding calls on that last drive. They, they give up, like, a huge receiving play. Uh, I forget who the receiver even was. I think it was Kyle Phillips, who had a, a long catch to set up that field goal. So it looked yep. like it was all going to be for naught. Uh, but Randy Bullock. Bails him out with the missed kick. And that's not the first time that's happened in Bullock's career. And no, just, it's not. Uh, distrust of him going forward. I, that happened a little bit in the AFC uh, di- for, uh, divisional round of games with the Bengals and the Titans, uh, where they just they, they didn't have the confidence in using him and made some curious fourth down decisions because of that. 
Honestly, the passing game wasn't very good for the Giants. Uh, Dandy Dimes was sacked five times. He was 17 for 21, did throw a pick. First half, it didn't do much. They had the one big play to Sterling Shepard that was huge. You know, uh, Wandale Robinson got hurt. That's 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 a tough one there for them. Um, and Kadarius Tony is an afterthought on this team. He's barely on the field. Yeah, that was uh, that was not ideal. Um, and we also saw Wandale Robinson get hurt in this game. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, it's Sterling Shepard. You know, who's running for the the long touchdown. Uh, you know, the the guy who's kind of been talked about least. And Richie James leading him in targets too. Nice. I mean, the the target and receiving breakdown for both of these teams is comical. I mean, for for Tennessee, the leading receivers were Kyle Phillips, Dontrell Hilliard, uh, Traylon Burks, you know, looked okay. Three for 55. Uh, Cody Hollister, Jeff Swaim, and then Robert Woods. Yikes. Uh, I I have a league where I I started Robert Woods, um, kind of a Hail Mary. And uh, to say that prayer was not answered would be an understatement. One catch, 13 yards on two targets for Robert Woods. And, you know, some of these games, you look at week one and say, well, it was just a weird game. You can't take too much away from this. I have a feeling the Titans passing game might look like this quite a bit going forward. Yeah, um, I I had some optimism for Tennessee. We talked about it when we were in Circa. That was before the Harold Landry injury, actually. I, yeah. I got more nervous about Landry's injury. I should have been more concerned about Woods and the lack of the, the passing game there. But, ugh. Mm. Everybody you know, everybody was nervous about him. Everybody was right. I uh, did have on Twitter uh, some feedback on this, uh, so I wanted to address to get your point. Earache, my eye, says, nobody seems to want to talk about the boneheaded call by Vrabel. Hand the ball to the tight end and third and two instead of Derrick Henry. Uh, thoughts on that? Uh, well, as someone who's all in on Derrick Henry, I agree. I would have liked to see the ball in Derrick Henry's hands. I, I think that was a, that was just a, a classic, like getting a little too cute for no reason at all. Yep. I mean, I, how often does the tight end reverse work in the first place? Um, yeah. I, I think we actually saw a lot of that from Pittsburgh too, running some kind of hokey reverses at, at strange times in that game. Although they had one to chase Claypool, uh, late in the game that, that did pay off. But to me, that's, that's a sign of a desperate offense, right? Good yeah. teams are not, yeah, exactly. good teams are not running plays like that. The only the only team that seems to pull that off consistently is the chiefs just because they have so much unique motion. And, and for them, you know, it, it's more than a desperation play. It's something that they work into their game plan. Whereas Tennessee, it just felt like we're out of options. We, we just got to try something here. Yeah. I, I think that's exactly right. Um, uh, that it is just a lack of playmakers, lack of plays. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and it's one of those, oh, sweet play. If it works, it's a boneheaded play. If it doesn't. And it was a bonehead play minus four yep. yards on that Big one. Time. They the backup tight end. <laughs> All right uh chargers and the raiders um yeah and by the way alex this is a good point too uh they said that they, they didn't want to have anything to do with henry after he dropped that perfect pass with the stone hands and that's always been the problem with derrick henry is you can't trust him in the passing game that much yep yep just one target uh no catches of course on that target i mean it's it's a, a pretty big drawback obviously he's been so dominant on the ground in yeah. years past that he's kind of, he's one of the very few backs who's able to transcend that, you know, Nick Chubb in a lot of ways fits that mold as well. But I thought the Giants did a good job. I mean, 21 for 82 uh, limiting Derrick Henry, who to me, he looked like Derrick Henry. I mean, he's, he's one of those guys that he's, he's so physically impressive, but he's not, you know, he's not a guy that has like a ton of moves. It's kind of just power stiff arm. That's about it. So, you know, whereas Saquon Barkley, it's like, you know, it's every single play, it's noticeable how well he's moving with Henry to me. It's a little bit harder to tell just based on the type of player that he is, but overall, I mean, it, he came out of this game healthy, still got over 80 yards in a, a really sloppy game. I yeah. But 21 okay carries, you want more than 80 yards, right? Yeah, you, you do. Yeah, you do. You long do. of 18. I mean, you didn't, you didn't get the payoff. You didn't get him wearing down the defense. They didn't no, seem wearing, worn down to me. 
All right. Raiders, Chargers. Uh, Raiders had a better second half than first, uh, but you know, three picks for Derek Carr. Uh, that's not what you usually expect. You usually expect him to uh, uh, be guy, but you know, the pass rush in this one here, I think was the big story for the Chargers. Five sacks, a lot of pressure yeah. on him. Uh, Devontae Adams still gets his. Uh, Darren Waller had, you know, four for 79. He did all right in this one. Hunter Renfro really suffered in this because of all that. Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest takeaway on the Raiders side of things is, you know, we, we were kind of concerned about, you know, what, what, what do you, what do you make of Devontae Adams, you know, joining uh, this receiving core? What does that mean for, for those targets? And we got a pretty clear answer in, in week one here. I mean, this was a, a target vacuum uh, for Devontae yeah. Adams relative to Renfro, very similar, I think, to what we saw in Philly uh, with AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, but uh, you know, a little less of a, you know, run oriented offense, of course, with the Raiders. So to me, it's, it's a little more concerning, although, you know, Redfro still get, did get seven targets. It wasn't like it was a, a complete blackout by any means, but Derek Carr was lasered in on Devonte Adams in this game, much like he was lasered in on um, Darren Waller in week one last year, where he, he had yep. like 17 or 18 targets in week one. And, and from then on, it was a little more evenly distributed, but it's hard to fault Derek Carr because you watch, you know, you watch like Devonte Adams highlights from yesterday He's doing what he was doing in Green Bay. I mean, he was yep. turning guys around. He was getting wide open. Uh, hard not to target a guy who's that open. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, Chargers side, I mean, the Keenan Allen injury is huge. He was going to have a huge day. He was he was already four for 66 in that game on four targets, and he got the hamstring injury. They're saying it's not serious, but they have the quick turnaround on Thursday against the Chiefs. Uh, nobody had more than four targets in this yeah. game. I thought that was noteworthy. Seven players with exactly four targets for the yeah. Chargers. Yeah, yeah and... really, really weird distribution in this one. I mean, none of the none of the names that we thought would go off went off. You know, the touchdowns went to DeAndre Carter, Gerald Everett, and Xander Horvath this week. Uh, disastrous game for Mike Williams, especially in light of the Allen injury. Mm-hmm. Hundred yeah. percent. Not a great game from Austin Eckler. I took him no. in one of my online championships. I, I diversified. I took him over Jamar Chase, and I'm regretting that right now. Uh, 14 for 36 uh, on the ground and only uh, four for 36 uh, on the, on the, in the air. I mean, again, he got you over 10 points, but again, you, you, that's not what you're looking for. That's not what you're paying for. Um, at least McCaffrey got in the end zone. Right. But, yeah. We, we saw an interesting breakdown uh, in that chargers backfield. I mean, they used, they used Eckler on almost exactly half of their snaps on right. offense. He had 34. And then we saw a pretty much even split between Josh Kelly and, and Sony Michelle, 17 snaps for Kelly, 16 snaps for Michelle. So, uh, you know, kind of a, a an interesting usage split uh, for the Chargers, to say the least. I this felt a lot like last year's Chargers in some ways, where they're they're taking their foot off the gas. I mean, the, the Raiders had a chance to win this game late, ended on a, a Khalil Mack strip sack on a fourth down yep. play, uh, but it was not. You know, it's a nice win. I think the Raiders are a really good team. You, you know, you didn't come away from this game being as blown away with this Chargers offense, as I think some people hoped. No, and I actually thought that the Raiders were going to be a little uh, weaker on defense. Um, yeah. I still think they're the worst defense in the division, but yeah, I don't know. The Chargers defense looked really good, even without J.C. Jackson. I mean, just yeah. think about that, yeah, how much different, you know, Adams's game might have looked mm-hmm. if they had J.C. Jackson uh, shadowing him too. Yeah. Um, Isaiah Spiller, coach's decision, inactive. Is he a cut? He's got to be a cut, right? I think he's a cut. Yeah. I mean, especially because you had two other running backs getting double digit snaps, 15 plus snaps for Kelly and Michelle. So it's not like he was right there and, you know, maybe it was a game time call between him and Michelle. I mean, it was pretty definitive uh, that he's the fourth guy. So yeah, he's a cut. I mean, we didn't see Zamir white at all in this game. He was active, was active, did not take a single snap. 
Um, I mean, the Raiders went really pass heavy in this game. I mean, Josh Jacobs, 10 for 57, Brandon Bolden, three for seven. That was it. Nobody else even carried the ball. Uh, so it's a kind of a weird split there. I mean, we, we, we expected Josh Jacobs to be the guy. I thought they would maybe try to work in, um, you know, Amir Abdullah or Zamir White at some point, but they got away from that really quickly. They're also a team that had very few snaps too. So yeah. that might have something to do with it. But last year you're supposed to run it down against the chargers. That was the whole yeah. thing that they couldn't stop the run. And yet they only had 13 carries in this one here. So uh, maybe, maybe they're a little too clever. Yeah. Uh, and you know, penalties obviously and sacks, you know, mm. you lose, you lose ground with the sacks five and car. And then they had Adams on that one play get sacked also. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to run when you're second and long and third and long. So that's, that's the other thing too uh, about that there. Um, if you are, if Allen doesn't play, which I'm assuming he's not going to, how aggressive are you on trying to pick up Palmer or Deandre Carter? I, I'm a Palmer guy. I, he was, he was on my list of players. I've kind of been grabbing, you know, late in drafts for insurance purposes. And, and now here we are already with Keenan Allen. Uh, I agree with you likely to miss at least one game. They play the Thursday game at KC. So short week to recover um, seems pretty unlikely that he'll play in that one. Uh, and then you get the Jags and the Texans the next two weeks. So if we're looking at a multi-week absence for Keenan Allen, um, you know, maybe you don't feel great about that chiefs game, although that could easily be a shootout, but you feel pretty good about going up against the Jaguars and the Texans. If you have Josh Palmer as the number two receiver in that offense right. uh, for a few weeks here. So I, I, I like Palmer, you know, between the two, but I mean, Deandre Carter had three for 64 and a touchdown in this game. It's just, it, with the way that the targets broke down, it's just so hard for me to have any real takeaways from this Chargers offense. Like it was just, it was such a weird game for them. Exactly. Talking about those Chiefs, I mean, they rolled. I mean, they almost a perfect game. Uh, yeah. Certainly offensively. I mean, the Bills and the Chiefs. Uh, you know, the Bills didn't punt yep. at all. The Chiefs looked really good. I mean, one of their their, their, their only issue, one of their only issues, is that uh, their their kicker got hurt. Uh, came back and still made a field goal later on and was making extra points. But, you know, Butker limped off for a while. We'll watch that, see his status. But, I mean, Mahomes was just ludicrously good. 30 for 39, 360, 9.2 yards per attempt. I mean, no, no Tyreek Hill, no problem. Yeah, I think the Chiefs and the Bills, like you said, those are the only two teams that I came away, like, universally impressed with in week one. There are other teams that won games, but you, there's some sort of caveat. I mean, there are – there are very few negatives that you could you could poke holes with this right. Chiefs game. I mean, this was a thorough domination from wire to wire. It felt like Mahomes could have ended the game with seven touchdowns if he wanted to. Uh, mm-hmm. They were they were back to looking like the you know the Chiefs of old uh, in terms of just being able to do whatever they want on the offensive end. And you know, Mahomes himself told us this week, like, yeah, it's going to be a different guy. I'm going to be spreading the ball around. That is exactly what he did. Yeah. Five touchdowns, two of them. Went to CEH, one of them to Kelsey, one to Nicole Hardman, one to Jody Fortson, uh, a name I got to admit I was not super familiar with prior to this game. But even despite yeah. not getting in the end zone, you know, still a productive day from Juju, six for 79. Right. Yes, four for 44. Even Sky Moore had a long catch. So, I mean, <laughs> virtually everybody in this Chiefs offense, especially Mahomes and Edwards Lair, you come away feeling good about. It. Even Pacheco got in the end zone late. Yeah, 12 for 62 on that one there. But, yeah, they didn't even need to run the ball that much, but no. they still ran it well when they did. Yeah, I mean, Sky Moore only one target. That's a little bit of a concern if you have him, but you can't really start him like that. Uh, like, like, But that that's definitely a, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's hard. You're, again, you're picking nits. Uh, so, so many things went well. 
uh, that it, it's hard to criticize a whole, whole lot there about exactly what happened on, on that side. Uh, defend, you know, on the Arizona side, I mean, they're, they're a mess right now. Arizona, which we talked about, they're kind of a dysfunctional team. They had a lot of injuries going into this one, too. Um, no Rondale Moore, no Hopkins, obviously. Ertz was playing hurt. Defensively, they were missing some key guys. That, that, that came to roost. Uh, but, I mean, they just couldn't stop. They couldn't get the defense off the field at all. They just couldn't stop them at all. Yeah, this, I mean, it's hard in some ways to say uh, if the Cardinals were as much of a disaster as they looked because it's just such a nightmare matchup in week one with all those injuries having to go uh, against Pat Mahomes. But we're going to find out quickly because they play the Raiders on the road in week two. They get the Rams in week three. Um, you know, the way they looked on Sunday, they're not winning either of those games, even with as bad as, as L.A., uh, looked in their openers. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think if you're a Cardinals fan, uh, some of your worst fears about how this season could go, I think were confirmed in week one. And you got guys coming back, but I don't know, man. I mean, Hopkins is going to miss a good chunk of the year. And, 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 you know, some of the other guys coming back are, are difference makers, but they're not, they're not that big of difference makers. Yeah. Raise your hand if you had Greg Dorch as the leading him in targets uh, in week one there. Uh, seven for 63, nine targets. Uh he was fine. Did a good, did a good enough job. I mean, but that that's not, I mean, and that's also a function of, you know, missing a couple of receivers, but yeah. I mean, AJ Green's just a non-factor. I was hoping maybe early on he might be able to produce with everybody out, but it didn't work out. Hollywood Brown did score. Um, he had that going for him there, but he also is going to draw a ton of coverage. Yeah. That's just going to be one of the, the factors of yeah. life here. I think. Yeah. He's in a really tough spot. I think he's, he's probably the guy who suffers most with Hopkins out just the way that they're going to be able to blanket yeah. him and, I will say if there's a silver lining for Rondell Moore owners, um, you know, Greg Dortch is kind of a similar type of player. He goes, what, like 5'7", 170. Um, you know, if, if you say like, all right, if Greg Dortch could have this kind of game, you know, why not just sub in Rondell Moore? He plays that role. Maybe he does it even better. But even then, you know, you're kind of grasping at straws here. This was a this was a tough opener for Arizona. And, and like we said, I mean, they, they could be staring 0-3 in the face pretty easily. Yeah, we got two more tough openers coming up here in a second. But uh, I do want to answer a quick question on Twitter. Uh, I mean, on Twitter, but in the forum, Rendon asked, do you trade Javante Williams for Debo? I mean, honestly, this is just a question about uh, what do you need more? I mean, I, yeah. I think I, pref I think I prefer Williams, but just barely. I mean, Debo did everything we expect Debo to do. Uh, so yeah. hard to be disappointed with him. Uh, yeah. If Debo doesn't have the fumble, that game maybe is completely different. Maybe he even <sighs> checks on another score. I mean, that was deep in bears territory. Um, he still looked like Debo, though. I mean, that touchdown that he had, my goodness. I, I don't know who yeah. it was for the Bears that he just ran over at the goal line. Um, but, yeah, like you said, I mean, Debo does a lot of his work on the ground, but he has the wide receiver designation. So it depends what your roster needs. And I would say maybe ask us again in, like, eight hours, and we'll, we'll have a better take <laughs> exactly. on Devontae Williams. As we see Williams' usage, <laughs> yeah, I'm, for I'm sure. I'm very hesitant to be like, yes, trade Devontae Williams, and then he goes for 155 tonight. Yeah. All right, speaking of tough owners, uh, openers, the Packers. Who boy. This is yikes, man. Yikes, man, indeed. Uh, the passing game, just just hideous. Watson, yep. as you alluded to, had the just awful, awful drop. I say run, one of the themes of this of week one is all these teams that bench their stars and didn't play them at all in the preseason, they look like it. The yep. Bengals had a horrible first half against the Steelers, yep. just horrible, non-functioning first half. The Rams looked horrible. The you know, Aaron Rodgers never takes a preseason snap. They look terrible in week one. Now, maybe there's a long-term benefit. You know, he preserves the health and all that. This well, isn't, you know, two years in a row where they just laid a complete, utter egg uh, yeah. offensively. Just couldn't get anything done at all. Um, 
22 for 34, 195, four sacks. He was, and he looked like he got hurt early on yeah. in that one. Uh, had the pick, just ugly, ugly stuff. They they scored one touchdown with him in there. Dylan, AJ Dylan was about the only positive from this game. Yeah, he was, and and a couple of those catches and yards came in garbage time. I mean, it was things got so bad that Jordan Love ended up playing the final series for Green Bay, and and yeah. AJ Dylan was the back who was out there. Uh, so he did pad some stats uh, a little bit in garbage time, but it all counts the same. Yeah, Rodgers was Rogers was bad in this game. He was holding the ball at least two of those sacks. I felt like were his fault, where he was kind of yeah. able to escape an, an initial defender, create a second pocket, and then just couldn't get rid of the ball. Uh, yeah. But it, it, it's it's oversimplifying to say the Christian Watson drop, you know, kind of set the tone for the day, but it really felt that way. And that was yeah. that was as bad of a drop as you're ever going to see. It was literally the first play from scrimmage for the Packers who had just allowed a touchdown to Minnesota. And I mean, Christian Watson had nobody around him. That was going to be a, he could have walked the final 30 yards in for a touchdown. Um, and you could tell, I mean, with any other quarterback, maybe it's not that big of a deal. Rodgers was not looking for him the rest of the day. I mean, I don't, I don't think he had his second target until late, late in the game when they yeah. were essentially in desperation mode. And on a night when you, you know, you don't have Alan Lazard, you don't have two starting tackles. You essentially don't have your rookie wide receiver because he took himself and, you know, the combination of him and Aaron Rodgers kind of took him out of the game after that drop. And that's how you would get the results. Like Aaron Rodgers, you know, his interception came on like a 50 yard heave on a jump ball to Randall Cobb. I mean, that's, that's where yeah. this Packers receiving core is right now in terms of a lack of weapons. So I, I think they really missed Lazard. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I don't, I didn't come out of this game feeling that bad about Green Bay. Really? Uh, no, not really. Not really. I mean, it, for one, it felt like Minnesota was going to score a lot more than 23 points. And, you know, it was a disastrous first half for Green Bay. They come down, they get the touchdown in the third quarter. And at that point, it felt like they had a chance to climb back into the game. You know, the, all they needed was a stop and a score. They got the stop and then, you know, I think they punted and then they went out on downs on their next drive. But um, I, I think you get Lazard. I think you get the linemen healthy. They'll be okay. I mean, they played waves better than they did in week one last year. And they ended up winning 13 games. And the other side of this is the Vikings might actually be a really good team. You know, I mean, they have yeah. the best receiver in the league who just absolutely trounced what we thought would be a good Green Bay secondary. After the game, Jair Alexander said he was begging all week to take the one-on-one -on -one assignment with Jefferson. The staff didn't allow it. And Jefferson had literally the best game of his entire career. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't give yet. They didn't give up. There's a lot of times it was still one-on-one. -on -one. That was the crazy thing. Yeah. Uh, it just, Jefferson was putting him through the spin cycle. It was just, they kind of like felt like they put the game in the cooler in the second half a little bit there. Um, other, you know, Irv Smith got shut out, had two targets. I, I, I noticed that because I actually started Irv Smith in another Kittle league. I had a lot My of Kittle leagues. It was, it was a tough week on that respect. Yeah. Uh, Dalvin Cook, 20 for 90, looked fine. Um, didn't get in the end zone, but uh, it was, again, Thielen was a little disappointing, but this is another thing. I mean, this is a tough defense to do, to do this against. Yeah. It took a special player in Jefferson to burn him. Burnham, he did. Uh, you know, everything looks great about Jefferson. Everything looked great about Cup. Everything looked great for Chase, for Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams. The first round receivers cashed in. Yeah. Uh, with the exception of the Sunday night game, which we're about to get to here. But yeah. uh, that, that's a whole other story. And he's also debatable whether he was a first rounder, too, mm -hmm. uh, is the other thing. But so let's 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 tackle that one here. Let's yeah. finish off with just I think the worst, the team that had the worst week was the Cowboys. Uh, in terms, maybe the Rams, uh, but in terms of like just utter domination, they they didn't they scored on the first drive and that was it. 
Uh, Dak had no time all day. I mean, he always shows us two sacks, but he was under siege the entire day. Mm-hmm. 14 for 29, 4.6 yards per attempt. And you remember, he got hurt, never came back in. It wasn't like he tried to play hurt and had these numbers here. But, uh, you know, you know, they just don't have weapons. I mean, C.D. Lamb, I mean, they just said, okay, we're not going to let you – we're going to sit on you. We're going to put two guys on you all the whole time. He had 11 targets, but two for 29 on that. You know, they don't have a deep threat at all. This is just – it's a disaster of a team and, you know, getting Gallup back eventually will help, mm-hmm. but it's Cooper rush throwing him the ball. Now um, uh, it, everything, you know, not a, not a good thing. Single good thing happened for Dallas. I, th- I felt like on the offensive side of the ball, at least. No, no. And Dak ended this game with one pick easily could have had one or two more. There's some tip balls that you know, yep. multiple Buccaneers defenders were kind of diving at the same time and essentially right. preventing each other from, from picking off those passes. It was ugly. It was really, really ugly from the start. Um, you know, I think that there's a silver lining. I, I actually thought the Dallas defense, the pass rush especially, looked pretty good, held up pretty well. Uh, but this was also a weird game for Tampa because, you know, Chris Godwin looked fantastic early on, had a couple catches, uh, had a long run after the catch, and then he exited with what looked like a hamstring injury. And then Mike Evans was just in and out of this game for long stretches, you know, series at a time. You're yeah. looking out there, the, the, the Buccaneers are going four wide, and you're like, I have no idea who any of these receivers are. Um, you know, we saw a lot of Russell Gage. We saw actually a lot of Julio Jones, who it felt like was Tom Brady's top target for large swaths of this game while Evans yeah. wasn't in the game. Um, you know, we saw Brashad Perriman get a couple deep targets, wasn't able to haul any of them in. Uh, but I thought Dallas looked good on defense. It just it doesn't matter anymore. Uh, you know, they're going to be without Dak Prescott likely for the next six to eight weeks. And, you know, I saw already at the DraftKings Sportsbook uh, updated odds to win the NFC East. The Cowboys are now uh, the, the biggest long shot in the division they're at plus 550 uh to win that one so how quickly it turns yeah Yeah. crazy crazy i mean if you got if you got an eagles bet to win that division you're feeling pretty good about that right now even with the giants and the commanders both picking up wins in week one but yeah i think comparing dallas to the rams makes a lot of sense those are two teams that really felt like big time no-shows the big difference however is that one team still has its quarterback for the next eight weeks and guess what? They actually have a Super Bowl in their pocket, too. So yeah, there's right. the other you get a, you get a thing. Probably a little difference there. The Cowboys yep. can't even win a pre, uh, postseason game. Uh, yeah, no Jalen Tolbert at all. They they scratched him. Yep. Why? Yep. So Dennis know. Houston can play? Just <laughs> I mean, they, it, it was bad. Outside of CeeDee Lamb, it just you could feel like the lack of weapons for Dallas. You know, it's yeah. third and eight, and it's just Schultz like it just felt right. like a, yeah. yeah, Schultz was okay. Um, you know, Noah Brown ended up being the leading receiver, but you could just feel it. I mean, they had no options. If they were in a third and long, it was just an automatic punt. It felt like all night. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, it, it, it was kind of tough because, I mean, they stopped they stopped Tampa Bay in the red zone like four times in a row. I mean, this game easily could have been like 24 to three at halftime in favor of Tampa Bay. But Dallas kept getting stops, kept getting stops, kept getting stops. And the offense just couldn't do anything all night. Um, I mean, if you're a CD Lamb owner, this is nightmare situation yeah. for the next few weeks. You're just kind of hoping he treads water. Six I will to say eight like this, weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Six to eight. I mean, the next seven games are not exactly a gauntlet. Uh, they're not, they're not easy, but you get Bengals, Giants, Commanders, Rams, Eagles, Lions, Bears. So, you know, kind of some, some of each, you know, some tough games, some easy games. Uh, but, you know, obviously you're not going to feel good about any of these games with Cooper Rush at quarterback. I mean, Dallas is probably only going to be favored against the Bears, maybe. And we'll see what they even look like at that point. Yeah. Matt Leahy asks, is Tolbert a drop? I mean, I want to know probably. more. Why was he scratched? But yeah, probably. 
I mean, I think given the quarterback situation, it's like whatever appeal he had, even if you think he's going to come back and be in the mix, you have to like him less now than you do if Dak is the quarterback. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so just weird, weird times. You know, not all is perfect in Tampa Bay. You, met, you mentioned, uh, you know, Evans sitting out here and there. Uh, Chris Godwin suffered a hamstring injury in this one here. And, you know, I, I saw plenty of people uh, medical on the medical side of things suggest that that's, co- you know, correlated with the knee injuries coming back from. So, yep. yeah, I, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Um, I thought the offensive line struggled at times to protect Brady for that matter, too. You mentioned that they got those red zone stops. Micah Parsons just had himself a game. I mean, he was playing all over the place there. Uh, had two sacks. I mean, uh, you know, I, 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 some of that's Micah Parsons being awesome. Some of this yeah. is that the, the Bucks. I mean, they have had offensive line injuries, had another one in the game. Their left tackle got hurt. So it's not all perfect on their side of things either. No, not at all. And I, I think they, excuse me, were big time beneficiaries of Dallas just not being able to move the ball. Like I said, I mean, yeah. Tampa was unable to finish drives consistently throughout the night. And, you know, we also saw their, their fill in left tackle Donovan Smith get hurt in this game that just, you know, made matters worse as things went along. Although, you know, some of those, those third down sacks in the red zone, it was just Micah Parsons being unbelievably overpowering. I mean, he, yeah. he wrecked this game in the first half for Dallas, but I actually, I, I like the way that they used Mike Evans, who clearly was not himself in the second half of this game, but they basically just saved him for like, you know, big time plays or big yeah. drive. Like the one touchdown drive they had, they used Mike Evans on, on a second and long. They had him in there on a third down. He went in, caught a nice slant, kind of used his body to shield the defender. And then he's in there for the touchdown play that he pulls in kind of a you know, diving, falling backwards, one-handed catch in the end zone that no other receiver uh, on this roster probably makes. So despite having you know no Chris Godwin for more than half the game, uh, Mike Evans being hampered, they, they still found a way to get this one done. But yeah, I don't, I don't think if you're the Buccaneers – you, know, you, you didn't. Co- if you watched this game last night, you didn't come out thinking like, "Wow, the Bucks are great." It was more like, "Oh my goodness, the Cowboys are a disaster." Yeah, that's that's exactly how I feel about that one there too. Uh, any other parting thoughts before we sign off? I know we've been pretty exhaustive here. No, I mean that's that's the thing about going game to game. You, you don't miss a whole lot. Um, you know, like I said, it's just a, a tough weekend overall. You know, for me personally, starting with the Badgers going down to Washington State and then the Jaguars just ripping my heart out as usual, but. Uh, very much looking forward to week two, looking forward to doing guest the lines on the XM show. Um, and I'm just, I'm just glad we're rolling. I mean, we could go for another yeah. two hours if we want. It's so nice having exactly. content to discuss. Yeah. Um, I had the Northwestern Cincinnati Bengals exact a rip your heart out weekend there. So that was fun too. Uh, <laughs> fumble at the goal line on one and the Bengals yeah. we already discussed. So yeah. moving on. All right. Well, I do have one, one quick note since we did just talk about Chris Godwin, Tom Pelissero. Uh, of, of NFL Network just tweeted out 47 seconds ago that he suffered a hamstring strain and will quote likely miss some time. There's optimism; it's not a major injury, but Godwin could be sidelined a few weeks. And remember, uh, Godwin has a long history of hamstring problems too. Remember, there was yes, the year yes. where he had a severe hamstring injury, missed the end of the season, missed like four or five games in a mm-hmm. row. So, this is something that's obviously a big concern there. All right, we'll yeah, sign would- off with that. Well, I was going to say one. my last note for the pod, I guess, will be if, if you're in a shallow league and Julio Jones is bouncing around out there, I, I think there's going to be a couple weeks here where he's going to be really useful. I thought he looked great. Everything you hear yeah. is that he's you know running. They said he was the fastest player in camp uh, on this team. Um, you know, if Godwin misses time, if maybe Evans misses a game or two, there's, there's going to be a little runway here for Julio Jones to prove himself. He's going to take a big leap in my rankings. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. Thanks for chiming in. Really appreciate all the uh, the comments and and questions in the forum. And uh, 
We'll be back at it again uh, next Monday with week two reactions. And of course, catch us Monday through Thursday on Sirius XM. We are on from eight to 10 Eastern time. Uh, that's five to seven best coast time. Uh, hopefully you can tune in and uh, thank you guys. Appreciate you.